we are gonna do this one more time. So, Russell, what do you love about music? To begin with, everything. Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. So, Gabe, last night, I watched, uh, finally got around to watching Wolf Like Me. All right, you watched all six episodes. No, I did not. Oh, you you got halfway. I got halfway. Okay. Because I couldn't take anymore. Gabe, I don't understand how somebody has such good taste and such a great bullshit meter in one or two facets of their lives can have such bad taste in everything else. This show is awful. What are the facets that Gabe excels at? (laughs) I think he's got really good taste in music. I think, okay. uh, I think he can sniff out a fucking jerk off pretty easily. I mean, he, he has uh, traits that that I that I'm very envious of. That, Except for my taste in movies. Your taste in movies is horrible, and apparently, your taste in television shows is just as bad. I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand someone as forward thinking as you when it comes to music. Or, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I cannot believe you thought I would like this piece of junk. Yeah, have, I, have I ever recommended a movie that you liked? This, Gabe, this, this, <clears throat> this TV show is garbage. Garbage. Is it, I've never it, heard such bad dialogue. <laughs> I've never seen such bad acting. And that whole thing about, oh my God, Queens of the Stone Age was his favorite band. It's, that's that, when I had to turn it off. When she was I, like, there's this whole thing going on with Queens of the Stone Age. I was like, that's it. I'm done. This is hack. This is terrible. <clears throat> I have two questions. Maybe you can answer Never mind Scott. Queens of the Stone Age. I have no problem with this, but whatever. What? <laughs> I have two questions that? that maybe you can answer for me. Because okay. you made it one more episode than I did. Why? Why? <laughs> uh, why set a show in Australia and have an Australian actress as your lead? But make her an American with an American accent. She's not Australian, is she? She sure the fuck is. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, what's what's the name of that guy? Is that Josh Gad? Josh Gad, another hack. What a piece of shit. Oh my god! Like (laughs) nonstop whining. I looked at Justine. I was like, "Is this going to be the whole show? Him whining? (laughs) 
I don't know, Gabe. Sorry, buddy. Because you don't like my taste in movies. It's not a movie, by the way. It's a TV. fucking awful TV show. <laughs> TV show, movies. They're blending together right now. T- movies are going to, straight to TV and stream, so I just call it TV, because I watch it on my TV. Mm-hmm. I'm not a cinephile, or a pedophile, for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> but I can accept that you don't like my taste in movies. It doesn't make me make change my opinion of you. So how do you feel about that? Uh, you know what? Here's the other thing that Gabe does. He'll try to like, <laughs> take the high road, you know? And it's like, Gabe is more Mr. Fuck that shit than anybody, you know? So this yeah, high road stuff no, you, no, no. you're doing doesn't really wash. When you go low, when you go low, See, I go high. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had to bring this up. I'd be remiss because we... How many episodes has this been going on for? Like a few episodes. People have been hanging and you're, and on you with, were, with bated breath. Right. You were raving about this no, I wasn't show, raving. I just, no. You were. You said, man, I watched all six episodes and I didn't fall asleep once, which is a rave review in your, in your world. Yes, because I have sleep apnea. And, and, and if I watch something that's boring, I'm going to fall right asleep. Sleep apnea doesn't put you to sleep. That's what, some, that's what happens after you fall asleep. No, no, no. Sleep apnea doesn't put you to sleep. <laughs> a symptom of sleep apnea is you fall asleep when you're sitting still. <laughs> a symptom of sleep apnea is falling asleep. Yes, you're correct. But a symptom does, is not drowsiness. But Am I wrong? I fall, I, you're wrong. <laughs> hey, Juliana. Uh, there's I think you're Juliana, talking about yeah. narcolepsy, Gabe. That's, a, that's narcolepsy. Oh, okay. Do you have sleep apnea and narcolepsy? <laughs> Juliana, so. do you have sleep apnea and narcolepsy as well? I have neither. <laughs> you guys, okay. no. I do not have sleep apnea. Do you no. have narcolepsy? Thankfully. I don't, but I have had a history of getting violently violently tired at certain times when I think it's just I think it's when I want to escape from a situation. I just I just can I want to go to sleep. Right. But it's not completely involuntary. Okay, now do you know somebody, like a doctor, who knows the difference between sleep apnea and narcolepsy? Basically, they're not the same thing, right? Can can you please tell Gabe that sleep apnea and narcolepsy are not the same thing? Hi, Gabe. Hi there. No, I don't think... I'm not a doctor. (laughs) I'm not a doctor, but I don't... I don't think they're the same thing. If they were the same thing, they would have the same name, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I think. I, well, I think the, the problem is I, I, no sleep. Told... No, no. Wait. My understanding is that narcolepsy um, is, you know, it's like people falling, just falling asleep, and all out of the blue, falling asleep. And I mm-hmm. sleep apnea right. is when people are asleep already, and then they're mm-hmm. like, um, sort of like they have they stop breathing or they choke or or on their breathing you know like the disruptive breathing things when they're sleeping right right yes right and i'm sorry to have to have dragged you into this thing or you had to explain <laughs> this but i thought maybe gabe would uh, he'd believe it if it came from you because he doesn't believe right. anything i say i'll listen to dr hatfield now now that she said that this <laughs> is how it works but really seriously all I'm saying is I fall asleep at bad movies really fast because it puts me to sleep. That's boredom, Be- Gabe. No, no, yeah, it's because boredom. I have... It's boredom, Stress? but... It, 
it, it's uh, I also have sleep apnea, which means that okay, I so fall asleep that's easily. That's like you. I thought like, sleep apnea is where you were snoring and like choking on your snoring, so you wake yourself up choking on your snoring. Right, it that, is. that is but correct. But he's trying to use that as, as an excuse why he falls asleep, as no, if no. sleep apnea uh, is some uh, kind of thing that that we're going to make you fall asleep so you can do this. No, no, it's because I don't get good sleep at night. I'm choking and, and not breathing right. That gives me bad sleep. So during the day, I'm tired. And when okay. I watch a bad movie, I fall asleep because I'm tired. Okay, that makes sense. So you're I, just saying. I think I understand. Yeah. Oh, I see. You're saying okay. one of the effects of sleep apnea for you is that you are tired throughout the day and you fall asleep oh, okay. easily. Is yes, that what you're saying, Gabe? Especially when watching bad movies like uh, French Connection. <laughs> oh, jeez. Pop, Popeye. Popeye, what's his name? Doyle. Doyle. Popeye Doyle. Gabe's um, not a French, French Dispatch fan. Oh, not French Connection. French Dispatch, right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, enough what's French Dispatch? The new Wes Anderson movie? Yes. A year later, after doing 53 podcasts, we have established that I have bad taste in movies, but good taste in music. I don't know if we've established that you have good taste in music. This, your, your taste in television and movies is so bad that I'm starting to wonder about all the things that I, you know, like I used to look up to you, Gabe, and now I just don't know. I mean... It, yeah, but does that say something? Does that say something about me or something about you? Because you yeah, couldn't no, judge I'll my character back then. I'll, I'll take the blame. That's right. cool. That's cool. But do you have a friend like that, Juliana? That you just you thought you knew, and now you just nah. Um, I have so few friends that I can't even <laughs> um remember the ones that fell by the wayside. I'm sure the ones happened, that disappointed you. I've got, yeah, I mean, I've really pared it down so that the ones I have are really quality ones, you know? Right. I have a couple of friends who don't read books, and I always think that's weird. I'll, I'll, I'll mention a book or I'll reference some, an author or something, and they, they, they just won't know. They won't really have any interest, and that's kind of weird to me. But it, it won't make – I don't end the friendship because of that. Because they know things that so – I have you know, friends who don't read books, but they know things that I don't know. About technology and things like that. Well, but will you mercilessly make fun of that person uh, on no. a podcast for 53 episodes? <laughs> I'm, no. <laughs> well, you're a better person than I. That's your job. You're a better person than I. That's your job. Can you believe that we've done like 51 or 52 episodes since the last time we talked to you? That's pretty um, impressive. Yeah, you were yeah. our first and guest, I, and and so we wanted to have you on to to uh, see if we, we were any better at this. I feel bad about that first one I did because I was just talking into my um, laptop microphone, and it not, when I heard it back, it sounded really bad, and I felt bad about that. Now I, I listen. I actually listened to it yesterday or today, and. Uh, it sounded fine. It sounded really good. I was like, oh, yeah, we didn't okay. even have microphones back then. Right. So did you have fun on that tour that I did not do? I did. Uh, it was, I also had some not fun on that tour. I mean, it was, it right. was a pain in the ass. It was like all the things yeah. that were hard about touring were harder on that tour. Yeah. Right. Um, but when, when I look back on it, I, I think it was the right thing for us to do 
How do you feel about That's it? That's good. Now? Well, um, I think because we were supposed to go on tour either. together, and then and then right. things got worse, and things didn't get as good as we thought they were going to get, and shows got canceled. Yeah, it was one that it off. was it was one that Delta wave was peaking and spiking and right in we were going to go right into the south where it was like really spiking and i think it was the right thing for me to cancel because like right before we were supposed to leave my drummer um test got sick with yeah with it he got sick with it and he was all vaccinated and everything and he he couldn't have gone anyway you know so we would have been kind of like messed up screwed in anyway so well, there were some yeah. dates, like you were worried about being stranded in the middle of nowhere, and there was like about a week yeah. where, where you, that would have happened. You were right. That, I mean, you could see the yeah. writing on the wall. We were worried about how, just sitting in hotel rooms and just having, you know, eating our money being eaten up on all these hotel rooms, not playing gigs, you know, just, yeah. I was worried, worried about that too. That, 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 that did happen. There was some of that. Yeah. Your instincts were correct, Ms. Hatfield. Good. I, I'm, I'm known for my good instincts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Well, are, are you really. are you having are, are you uh, have you got plans to go out again? Uh, tentative plans? No. No. Nothing. It's so weird. It's like. It's like how inertia is such a powerful force in my life. I kind of feel like I might never go on tour again just because I'm not now and I haven't for so long that I, it might just continue. I might continue never going on tour again. Um, mm. No, I have no plans. I'm work, I just started working on a new album, so that's what I'm trying to focus on. Focusing is hard lately, but I'm trying to focus on that and then we'll see, I guess... I don't know. Are people going on tour right now? Is it, we talked is it to, opening up? We talked to Jay Robbins last week, and, and he, you know, he was just did not want to go on tour just as much as what you're, you're saying. And uh, they're doing some dates in like, like a month or two, a couple months maybe. They're getting ready to go out. Uh -huh. Yeah, boxes. I heard about that. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm not like um, really worried about uh about anything anymore it's just like i don't know it's like touring has always been really complicated for me it's just like really really stressful and it's fit really physically um it takes a lot out of me like more and more every time i do it and yeah it's just it's just kind of it's like it's like a you know it's like a sport right and on top of doing the sport it's like um all the other stuff that's so draining and just like it you're so taxing on every part of your your psyche and your body and everything for me right. it is anyway and also yeah. and then there's the thing about i i never feel like i do well with the performances i i feel like like i've t i've told you this before i i feel like one show out of 10 i do a really good job and then all the the other nine shows i'm like oh i was not good enough and you know, I'm not, and I I can't resolve this within myself. I can't get to a place where I feel really confident about my live performance, the, the live performance side of what I do. I just never I always feel 
like I'm a disappointment. So all those years that I, that I saw you like over and over and over uh, every few months and you were always on top of it, you just attribute that to the crew. Is that what you're on top? You're what do you mean on top of it? You thought I put every show that I saw you play, you, you like came out raging, ready to go. I think maybe I, f I feel like back a while ago, I was better at it or I, I had I was more willing to try <laughs> or now it's just have all this time has gone by and sometimes I just feel like why am I still doing this why what am I trying to prove because I haven't I don't know it's like it's a very inner inner thing for me like when if if you think I'm doing a good show I might not be thinking I'm doing a good show so I I don't even know how to respond to that. If I'm, if people are responding positively and I'm not feeling good, it's just I, I can't really resolve those two things. But I, I do, I know I've, I've had good shows. I've done it. I've done a good job. But um, I just feel I don't know. I sometimes I feel like I've, I'm, I'm losing my mojo a lot in, in terms of live performance. But maybe I'm not. It's just my perspective is, like, off is like that. Or maybe you used to do it more than you do now, and you know, like you say, it's yeah, a sport. Yeah, and the, yeah, and then when the there were bigger crowd back a long time ago, you know, in the '90s, there were bigger crowds, and that 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 isn't necessarily better, but there isn't that energy that you can feed off of, you know, mm. when there's when there's like a built-in enthusiastic crowd, whereas it. But it's very complicated for me because I don't necessarily want a bunch of people screaming and jumping up and down. I, I don't mind pe uh, quiet people. You know, I, I'm a quiet right. audience member. I don't, I don't, um, I'm not allowed when I'm in the audience. I, I, I barely even clap. So no matter how much I like something, I barely clap. But um, so I don't know. Is it I don't that really know the, what I'm saying. Is is it that when the crowds are bigger, there's a certain anonymity to it? Whereas like when you can like just pick out the people in a smaller crowd, you know, it's, it's, it's harder. Yeah, that can be difficult because it's like almost like um, too intimate in a way. Like if you can, yep. If, yep. if I, and whenever I make eye contact by accident with someone, because I don't try to, but when I make eye contact with someone in the crowd, it really just, like, it can be so jarring to me. Like, it throws me out of what I'm doing. It really distracts me, because it's too intimate. It's like, um, I'm, I'm so um, impressed by people who can get up on stage and just be constantly interacting with the crowd and um, communicating with them outside of the music and between the music and on top of the music with what with gestures with eye contact with you know like everything that is not playing the songs because I, I just get too confused by trying to do anything but play and sing the songs right but I mean uh, that was kind of like I don't know there, there, there's something like I where you come from and and the and the scene that I, I imagine you come from like it's a reaction against that it's a reaction against you know david lee roth and it's yeah. a reaction against that whole like 
mechanical entertaining. So it's yeah. kind of tough for you to have to, for, for me, for you personally, to do something like that. It's really hard. And, and people like me or us, we're, we were able to um, do our thing without, like, I'll speak for myself. You know, I'm not a showman. I'm not like a showy performer. And I, um, I'm not a ham. And I don't have that. Yeah, I don't know that people pleasing thing. And that's why it was great that people like me were able to make, you know, make records and go on tour when we were shy people. I'm like, I've li I was like pathologically shy. I still am really. I have a hard time socially. Um, and it was okay for us to, you know, get on stage and be our low key selves and put, just put the right. energy in, into the music. But I still, but I've always had a feeling like, Maybe that's not good enough, you know. Maybe I mean now after all this time's gone by, maybe it's you know it's swung swung back to sh the the norm of showmanship, you know. Like so if you're on stage, you should be performing. I think that's I think there's still that pressure um, to do that. Uh, obviously, <laughs> obviously, you're on stage. You're right. supposed to be performing. I, I saw this tour once. I don't know if you saw it, where Amy Mann and Michael Penn were on tour together. And they brought a comedian out on the road with them to oh, do yeah. all of the stage banter. So yeah. that they didn't have to do anything except play their songs, but they had somebody yeah. interacting with the audience in between every song. Maybe you That's could do that. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. You should get Stephen Wright to come out and, and uh, <laughs> yeah. just really get the crowd going. Hey, everybody. Yeah. Or Dice Clay. You can get Andrew Dice Clay. I don't think he's doing anything anymore. Right. Just bring him out with you. Right. No, he's an actor match. now, right? He He's an actor. Oh, that's now. right. That's right. Yeah, he's on the yeah. Pam and Tommy show. Oh. I oh, is he? <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, Gabe loves that show too. I didn't say I, I loved it. I, that it. was not that did not come out of my mouth. I just said it's good. It's entertaining. If you uh -huh. like bad TV, that that's your that's your stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. The only Tommy Lee I care about is Tommy Lee Jones. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Tommy Lee who? So I Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Jones. So that for th this is good to have you back because after that first episode that we did, I I like felt like I've missed so many opportunities to talk about things with you. And one of the things is about this whole idea of this fucking show about the idea of a lifer, about somebody who is in in this instance music for reasons that have nothing to do with just, um, fa fame, you know, I mean, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know, like Success. take somebody like you who was, you know, you were doing it quite well it, as a solo artist, also with the Blake Babies on an indie level. And then, you know, you're doing it on uh, at a major, you've got hits, you've got, uh, you, you're on magazine, you're in magazines, you got next big thing status and then that goes away and you still do it you know why what what is it that's different about you than a person that when all that stuff goes away they say ah fuck it well for i was well i was never the goal for me was not fame or wealth um mm -hmm. or att or attention 
you know, um, it was, well, yeah, part of me wanted some kind of attention for my, I, but I wanted the attention to be on my music, not my personality, not my, not me, the person, but I wanted, I wanted some kind of, I was after some kind of respect, I guess. Like I wanted some respect. That's what I wanted, respect. And, and then all this other stuff came with, um, all the, 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 the fame was really hard for me to deal with, even though it was a lower level type of fame, but there was a lot of, you know, there were a lot of magazines who wanted to put me in, feature me, and a lot of, a lot of press, and I just was, um, not, I was, I didn't know, really know how to work, work that, mm-hmm. that part of part of the game you know it was really bad at it and or I felt un- really uncomfortable with it all and I hated promoting myself I still hate self-promotion I hate it um I mean I'm talking to you now because you're my friend and I like talking to you and right. <laughs> um I'm not promoting anything um so what was I gonna say the re but the reason I kept I keep doing it is that there's something about um, working on music that, for me, is really the reason for my existence. Or there's something so fulfilling and magical in it, and spiritual even, that it's like, that's the whole, that's the whole reason for my even being alive I think and I, I was just I've been kind of languishing lately like not not working on music for a while I've been doing other things but I've been having a hard time focusing on writing and I just finally finally started recording some stuff the other day and I was getting into it and I was just like it all came back to me it's like oh this is why this is why I do this. It's something, it's almost like a drug. Like, it's like, oh, I was waking up again after not having made music. My my last record came out like, like eight months ago and I haven't really made any music since then. And I didn't realize how much I was needing and missing that. Just like the, it's, it's hard to talk about it because it's so personal. And so it's like, it's so important to me. And it's something I can't really explain. And I'm, you know what I'm talking about, I'm sure, because you do it. But it's very, it's very internal and very, um, it's like it happens in isolation when I'm writing and recording. And it's that, it's those moments that are the best moments for me. And it, it's like, it's just very life affirming and health giving. And I think that's why I do it, because it just makes me, it takes me away from all the things I don't like about the world and about people and about my life, and it puts me in a better place. It's like an es- escape from, or it's an escape into the best, it's an escape to the best place. It's an escape, escape, but it's also a arrival. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you know, you talk about drugs 
you know, about it being a drug, but there's also something about it. Like sometimes I feel like a gambler, like, and I keep losing and I'm a sucker and I'm like, all right, maybe this yeah. time, you know, maybe this time it'll, yes. uh, you know, my number will come in, you know? Yes, definitely. I do feel like, and I'll never, and I know now that I'll never win. Like I'm going to, just going to keep gambling yeah. and I'm never, ever going to win the big jackpot, but you get, yeah. but you do have big wins once in a while, and it's like it's so exciting when that happens. Like the first right. time, I, when you hear your song on the radio, that's like a a really good payoff. But it's but that's that's makes it sound cheap almost because the big payoffs are really when you're, for me, when I'm writing and recording, and those con those like vibrations start to happen or the connection, the con the um combinations of instruments and voices and where you just feel like oh wow that's like god or it's like the it's like um you're going into the other dimension you've you've got you've moved into another dimension and you hit you you've um you've made contact beyond this world and that's that's the really exciting, right. exciting thing for me well, i mean i was thinking about this thing the other day where like you know people are like how can you listen to your own music? You know, you, you're some kind of narcissist. Um, but then I started thinking about like, you know, people make their own food, you know, because they don't want to eat shit. You know, people make their own uh, clothes or art, you know, to hang on the wall. They paint their houses, they make their own houses. You know, why is it, is it any different that some people want to make music they they can and they're able to and they can make music for themselves exactly the way they want to make it. Uh-huh. Um but but since it's you singing, it kind of But it's not really you. The way the way I see it is that um and this is well what when I when I listen to myself when I listen to my recordings um I think that the voice that's singing is a whole different entity. It's like not really me. I'm I'm me and I have all these insecurities and all these, you know, problems, but the voice that's singing is not that person who has insecurities and problems. It's a it's like a whole entity that exists outside of me. And I feel that about other people too. Like I know I know a lot of, um, or not a lot, but I know people who make music for a living, and and I've, you know, I've m people who have these iconic voices that have these magical qualities, and then you meet these people. Sometimes you meet your heroes, and you and it's kind of mind blowing because this person standing in front of me, just like flesh and blood, and insecurities and problems, and then the iconic magical voice. How do you, how do you, how do I deal, like, how do I go between one and the other? And I've had, I've had some problems trying to navigate, like, those two things. Like, like getting involved with people who make magical music. And it's confused, it has been confusing mm -hmm. for me in the past because I, I realized that I need to kind of separate the, musical entity or the and the magical voice from the flesh and blood person because they're really like two separate things yeah i think but are they 
No, they're also the same thing. <laughs> but are they? I mean, th- I, th- that's the thing. It like it, it's almost like the Holy Trinity. I, I, it's they're separate, but they're the same. I I can't get my head exactly. around it sometimes. Yeah, I, it's it's real. It's definitely um weird. It's 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 just a weird weird confusing thing. Scott, do you get people accusing you of being a narcissist because you listen to your own stuff? No, but I'm very careful not to listen to it around people because then. Uh, yeah, I always think you right. hear more of these interviews with 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 musicians and also actors who say, "Oh, I never listen to my stuff. I never watch my own movies." And I think that's always more surprising to hear that that somebody you know that that musicians don't listen to their like like Bono's always saying he hates the sound of his voice. He doesn't listen to YouTube. Well, I, I, that's normal, but. But like, are you talking about like Johnny Depp never watching his own movies? Yeah, I think he should be forced to watch his own movies. <laughs> yeah, would help. Probably. I don't really listen. I actually don't listen to much of my own stuff. I'm one of those people who doesn't really go when I'm when I'm working on an album and yeah. right after it's mixed, I listen to it obsessively, constantly, constantly, and then mm-hmm. right, and then I just put it aside and I move forward. And I don't right, because you're sick of it. Yeah, or you just—you've listened to it more than anybody's going to listen to it. Yeah, or or you're just done, and you need to you need to clear your head so you can move on to the next thing. Or you hate it. But then Juliana, like, but Juliana, like these last couple years where you relearned your songs and were performing them again, was that fun for you or painful or? Yes. Um. Kind of both, I think. Like it was fun to to it was fun to realize or to remember some of the things that I'd forgotten that I had written and to realize like, wow, this is pretty good or this is pretty cool. And then and then it's like it can be kind of torture to try to summon the energy to figure out how to infuse some of the older songs with the feelings that I don't feel anymore for the subject matter, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what makes it interesting. It's like you now and, you know, your voice now singing those old songs gives it a a different spin. We were talking about this a little bit to, to Jay last week and doing those, relearning those old records, it's kind of like, therapy that they pay you for you know yeah like you're gonna do these shows and you have to go through all these emotions that you had 20 years ago and you're like oh wow i'm still doing that yeah and you don't necessarily want to go back to those places but once once you do you you realize it's like you know like you you hear a lot of older women saying like like when older women, middle-aged women will look back at photos of themselves when they were in their 20s and they'll think, oh my God, I was so, I was so pretty and so thin and I thought I was a fat, ugly, you know, I thought I was a fat and ugly, but I was so pretty and so thin. And it's like, that's what it can be like when you, when I go back and listen to old songs, like I'm dragged kicking and screaming back to listen to old stuff. And I realize, like, wow, it's actually not terrible. It's actually, I'm actually really proud of it. And, uh, and I'm so, 
I, f- I have so much like um sympathy for the person in those songs who was trying so hard to express herself and it's just really nice to go back and to feel pr- proud of what I've done. When when you went back and looked at the lyrics, like what are the things that kept coming up? Because you just talked about like respect, and I think about stuff like you know titles like supermodel and stuff, and you know what what drew you to that kind of stuff, subject matter. Well, I think you I've, know what I mean. <laughs> well, I think of all. I think in some ways I've I'm still the same as I've always was and I'm still um thinking about the same things and about you know you know what is it what does it mean to be a woman in this world and and um and in rock yeah and in rock and dealing well really in the world because I I don't think I was any well I don't know yeah and it's everywhere in every environment you know it's it's there's a lot of um there's a lot to think about and a lot to deal with and I was struggling with I've always struggled with it from when, when I was a child I feel like I was um experiencing sexism all around me in my fa- even in my family and um some of my, from some of my family and it's just something that I've always had to deal with and so that that became a subject in my so- some of my songs because it was a thing that I was living with, but I I, ha- I had some emotional problems on top of it. So, um, my attitude, my attitudes toward things were maybe kind of negative and angry. Whereas now I think I have more. Um, I think I'm more tolerant now and more understanding of other um, points of view, and I'm. I'm st- I'm still angry. Like if you're not angry, what if you're not angry now? There's something wrong with you. I think you. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. still angry, but I'm not as angry. Um, at, but there's still a lot to be right. disturbed about, and it's not all. It's right. centered on me and my emotional problems now. My my songs. My earlier music was very much um like self involved. Yeah. Focus. Well, that's every person in their twenties, yeah. for God's sake. Yeah. I mean, have you listened to music by twenty-year-olds recently? Yeah. No. Yeah. Pretty fucking. Pretty fucking horrible. Yeah. Do you go listen to your <laughs> your first records ever? Well, when we've got to do yeah, the, the shows, old records. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we're we're about to do a tour with our fourth record soon and yeah i've been listening to that and i'm like whoo yeah it's, it's miss you <laughs> yeah right it's it's like um who else does that who goes back and um takes a really right. deep hard look at their young embarrassing selves you know who does that <laughs> Right. Why are we still Nobody. singing? Asked to Why do are it. we still singing those songs? It's so hard, but um, <laughs> it's, it's strange. When you parted ways with Atlantic, uh, how long did it take you to sort of like regain your equilibrium and get to a point of like, hey, listen, I was doing this before those guys. I'm going to do this after those guys, and that part of my life is over well 
On the one hand, I just went right back into it. You know, as soon as I left Atlantic, right. I worked. I think Bed was the next record I made, or I made have made it. E- Did, wasn't that when you made two? You made two records no, at the I same think time, I made right? Bed first. I went. Okay. I, I was like, I had left Atlantic, and then I was like, I'm gonna make the cheapest, fastest record possible, just to prove that I could do this without the record company. So I. Todd and Mikey and I rehearsed these like 10 or 11 songs and then we went into a studio and recorded and mixed everything in like a week or 10 days and I didn't EQ anything it was just like bang it out really raw really dry and so I went I just like got right back into it you know it being DIY totally to the extreme um but uh, but on the other hand, I feel like what happened? You know, I was signed to a major label and these people at the label at Mammoth and then Atlantic thought I was going to be big and then I wasn't big in their eye. You know, I was a disappointment to their to a lot of people in the in the business, I think. And um and then it was over and then I was like poof, that happened. Um so I went back to being indie person, but so part of me feels like what what happened? Why why wasn't I I not able to capitalize more on um the quote unquote success that I was starting to have? Like why did I withdraw so hard from that? Because I because a lot of it was a lot of it was me just break kind mm-hmm. of breaking down before. After Become What You Are and before Only Everything came out, I was like, I don't know, I was having a really hard time. I was really depressed, really, really depressed. Um, And just had a, having a really hard time. And then I canceled my European tour and then everyone got mad at me and people were like, you can't cancel European tour. You're your, your European tour. That's like, your career is going to be over. And then... I didn't believe them. I thought, like, what are you talking about? I'm just canceling a tour to get well. And and then everything kind of just kind of started, fell apart after that. And then I was out of it. I was out of that world. And I was back on DIY land. Things were changing, you know? Yeah, and, totally. And right around the corner was boy band. Totally, world, yeah. Know? And, and when, when, we like... were si- when we were signed, everyone was getting signed. It's like anyone who could yeah. write a song was getting signed. And... It, that was what was happening um but yeah there's a part of me that just wonders like what if i had tried to be a success because i wasn't trying all i was trying to do was to make the kind of music that i wanted to and so in that way i was a total success because i was making the music i wanted to make and no one at the label was pressuring me to change my music you know i worked with the producer i wanted i worked i was able to work with Scott Litt, who was a producer I really loved, and um, mm-hmm. and the label never really tried to get me to make my music more commercial. So I was successful in that way. I made the music I wanted to make. But, it, but you know, why was I so bad at self-promotion, or why was I so, so reluctant? It It was like... Oh, it was like um, 
anathema. Because you just said it. You just said you hated, hated it. it. Yeah, but you just said just you know well, like well, about then, 20 well, minutes ago you hated then, well, it think about how think about how miserable you would have been if, if well, you would have like anyway you know subverted every right yeah. but at least you were miserable in you think about how horrible it'd be if you subverted everything you are to do that i felt like i was doing that anyway you know no, you, i just i felt yeah. like i i i felt like i was i did a lot of that anyway even though i tried really hard not to lose myself and not to do anything that was icky and i didn't really but i still always felt like i was um compromising my integrity every step of the way and i just could never resolve art and commerce never ever could because you felt that way or because you were getting shit from peers or fans or friends or i don't whatever. know i don't know what i don't i don't really know exactly how how much of that was just me or how much of it was me worrying about what other people would think of me. Because back then, it, we weren't allowed to sell out, you know. It was like, there was a lot right. of pressure not to. and But a lot of us had, um, you know, artistic integrity, quote unquote. But now it doesn't really seem to matter anymore. Right. Now, it's just seeing, right. now it and, seems like a quaint, also... a quaint, antiquated idea that you would have artistic right. integrity. Does that piss you off a little? Because it does me. Because sometimes I'll read about it and some music writer will be like, oh, it was so cute. You know, it's like, no, it it actually did mean something that, you know, yeah, <laughs> not everything could be bought. Right. That's just left off now because because everything can be bought. Now it's clear that everything and anyone can be bought. And so if you're not, you're an idiot because you didn't cash in. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thinking nowadays. Like, why did you not just cash in? Why didn't you? Why wouldn't? Why would anyone not cash in? I think that maybe it's better business not to cash in because then you're there and you're gone. Like, if you hold on to something, twenty years later, you can you know look 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 at these bands that that sold five thousand records and twenty years later they're playing they're headlining like festivals. Who, who are you know? talking about? Um, I don't know. Uh, all right, let's take, for instance, Jawbreaker. Oh, like Jawbreaker right. sold records, but not right. a ton of records, you know, and they're doing right. great because they, they hung on to right. something, you know. If they had sold out to commercials, I don't think they'd be doing what they, they do now. Right, yeah. Maybe. And I, I feel like there's a little bit of goodwill that I have. I feel it towards me. You know, I feel like I've, I've, held on to like i feel a goodwill between me and people like it's growing maybe or at least it's not right diminishing when did you start to feel that when did when did that come around you know because i think that's the that's for the lifers i think that's the last <laughs> stage is is when they're comfortable <laughs> with who they are and then the goodwill comes around and then the, in, in a way it shows that they've won yeah well i'm still trying to get comfortable with who i am i'm still struggling with a lot i still have a lot of insecurities and i um it's crazy that it's been so lifelong i can feel as my confidence grows um and i get more comfortable with who i am and what i'm doing i feel like the audience can relax a little bit and not worry about me so much because i feel like my, the audience worried about me <laughs> and um i feel right. like i can let maybe more people 
will want to take a peek at what I'm doing just because I'm not such a weirdo anymore. I mean, I'm still a really weird. I'm still a really, really <laughs> insecure weirdo who can't, you know, deal with parties. I can't. I have social problems, right. anxiety still. But I'm getting just like coming to terms with that and being okay with it is um, part of just you know trying to be who i am yeah what were we talking about uh, are we talking about what, what talk you wanted to talk about you want to, are we covering the bases the things you wanted to talk yes, about yes yes okay. i think this is 10 I'm not times saying I'm, the interview that it was i'm not last trying time. to i'm not trying to wrap it up i'm just trying to check in no no okay. i think i think this is this is what we should have been talking about last time but i think i was so nervous and you know I just wonder if other people are still I still am so tortured by when I go out on the road I'm so conflicted so conflicted and I feel like I should be at a place in my life and career now where I'm on top of it more like I should I, sh I should be more I should be less conflicted but uh, about you know going on stage so conflicted you know like I'm not good enough or I'm not feeling like I'm good enough why is that why am I not on top of this game that I've been playing for so long at least from my perspective yeah. and that's what that's what I struggle with a lot I'm a conflicted person I'm conflicted about everything about everything I'm I am I see every cup as half full and half empty at the same time and that can make life really complicated um because I can't right I can't ever like stick to either side, you know. Right, your point yeah. and counterpoint. Exactly, and it's very confusing. Um, but you know, I think it's good to hear. It's good to hear that you have those feelings too about. Um, yeah, I think that people maybe are struggling, but they're just not admitting it, or they don't talk about it as much as I do. Because yeah. not every not everyone feels like. David Lee Roth on stage. David Lee Roth probably doesn't even feel like David Lee Roth on stage sometimes. I mean, maybe, you know, I mean, some of those people that do that, though, and feel good on stage and are awesome on stage, they're bozos. Yeah, You've they're not good. You've read interviews with them. Right. <laughs> they're, they're morons, right. you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the, the province of morons. They, they, they love walking around in their, in their outfits. Cockiness. The cockiness. Their, yeah. yeah they love their assless chaps right but do, do you ever do you ever record when you're when back when you were out on tour would you ever record shows and then listen to them the next day or during the week to see if the shows were better than you were no. feeling them in the moment or you don't bother with that no i couldn't i couldn't take it i was i was too afraid i was gonna hate hate the sound and I still have this phobia of listening to or looking at live recordings and because um, sometimes they're just like really not what I want them to be. And it, partly yeah. it's what's partly it's the way they're recorded by just like random people and they just don't right. sound or look good. But but there have been times when I've been I've been given um, a recording of an, a show and I listened and it's like 
really good. Um, there was, right. this, and that's how it was really nice. Like I was saying before, like to realize, like, wow, I wasn't terrible. Like this was actually a really good show that was recorded. It's great, and um, I'm always so you're talking about old shows. Yeah, well, yeah, like I heard one from Sweden in like '94 or '93, and I was like, wow, this. It was me and Dean and Todd, and everything Uh was good. It was like the sounds were good, the mix was good. It was just like a good, like um combination of things that were working on the recording and we were good so and it was nice to realize that i wasn't terrible all the time and i was actually maybe good good most of the time right you know who else that happens to uh the beatles they just Uh put out get back uh it. it happens to the who uh, it happens to the yeah. Rolling Stones. Remember how long it took for the Rolling Stones to put, put out the Rock and Roll Circus? Because they thought they were terrible. And then they yeah. finally put it out and everyone loved it. Yeah, I need to remember that. Like, that, that people... It takes people a while. Or have you yeah. seen that, that, that Who performance that, that they shot the songs for the Kids Are, Kids Are All Right movie? And they only let two songs out, and the rest of the concert they buried. Have you ever seen that? It's no, awesome. but I love. They, to they hear thought that. it sucked. Wow! You know? But it, it's it's terrific. Yeah, I, I think, mean, I know exactly what you, what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, our our own perspectives can be really skewed, I guess. The other bands they listen to recordings, and um, like I was listening to some. I've been listening to a lot of ELO lately. For some reason, I'm just getting really into the, like, mm-hmm. really obsessed all over again. But I'm hearing things in the songs that I've never heard before. And these songs that are, like, 30 years old. And, and like, things are popping out in my ears that I never noticed before. And that's just so, so cool to me to realize, like, I was, you can, your my brain kind of, like, sh- doesn't take everything in. Um, right. Until I let allow it to, or something. Uh, I, I was listening to uh, "Dreams" by Fleetwood Mac the other day, and for the first time, I I heard Stevie Nicks humming in the uh, the oh, intro wow. before oh, she wow. starts singing. I'd never heard that before. It freaked me out. Yeah, see, that's like it's like um, it's like um, ma- that's part of the magic, the magic of music. Like things will. Like go, it's almost like there are ghosts in the songs that they, ghosts come out of the songs. Ghosts in the machine. Yes, or in, in songs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I had to do that. I know. I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking that too. You know what we didn't ask you about last time too was the Boston scene. I mean, about what it was like and stories about, you know, other bands and stuff, like being around that. I had a plumber come over the other day. Um, I was having mm-hmm. a, an issue with a toilet valve. And um Okay. All right. A plumber <laughs> a plumber came over and he was like telling me that he had just been over at um the guy from Galaxy Five Hundred's house working on his plumbing. Uh-huh. I'm like, Oh, that must be that must be Damon, because Damon Karkowski lives in Cambridge too. I live in Cambridge, and he lives in Cambridge. And um, stars, they crap just like us. <laughs> uh, plumbing is a big umbrella. 
There's a lot under that umbrella. It's not just toilets. Sure it is. I think. Yeah, of course. Listen, if the guy from Galaxy 500 has an emergency, what was this guy's name? The, uh, the plumber? The Galaxy of it. Oh. oh the plumber. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> you don't even know your own plumber's name? Carl. No. Well, there are diff- different ones come by. See, p- people probably don't know that you call your own plumber. I don't. See, I don't own where I live. I, I rent this apartment, and so if I owned this place, I would know the plumber's name. But there's like a coal, there's like a <laughs> condo board, and, they, and there's like a management company, so they have to call a management company, and then they call the plumber, and then the plumber sends a guy, and then another guy, and it's not always the same guy. Right. What, what, what's the super from one day at a time? Oh, 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 Carlton. Oh, oh. oh my. No, wait. No, um, not Melvin. It's not oh, Booking. Oh, I know this. Carlton? Not Carlton. I was thinking of no. one. Oh, I don't know. That's what I said. Carlton, Melvin. You should have said good times. I would have told you it was Bookman. Not Bookman. Oh, it's not Bookman. Come on. So, but this <laughs> plumber Schneider. recognized you. And I Schneider. 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 Thank oh, you. Schneider. <laughs> But how did it come up in conversation that he had just been to the Galaxy 500? I don't know. Like, this happens to me sometimes. People will, they will just let out that they know who I am, like, that I'm a, like, I was. Yeah, we can edit that part. Because <laughs> I was going to start wanna, talking about. I don't want to talk. Definitely so, make me think about my colonoscopy fears that are coming up. Oh, my God. I just had, I just had one. Okay. We really? can talk about that. Because that's what, Yeah. But I'm just, wait, my point was that people, I never expect anyone to recognize me or know who I am, but people do sometimes recognize me or know, recognize my name and they know who I am. And sometimes it's in like funny situation, like sitcom situations when they let it be known that they know who I am. Like I'm on a, I, yeah, like I know your music, I like it. So it's like getting that out of the way. Yeah. So it's not. So yeah. it's not weird. We'll, but do you we'll want to talk about? Col- do you want to talk about colonoscopy? We'll edit this out for you. We got no <laughs> problem editing it out. But it, this is gold. Okay. I, I just worry. I you know my concern is like. <laughs> who else in the Boston scene? Like, who are you playing shows with? Like, who were Blake Babies touring with and playing shows with? Back in the day. Uh, in, Bos- in Boston, there was like, um, who? Well, there was Galaxy 500, and then there was like, oh, the Lemonheads. We, uh-huh. the Blake Babies started out right when the Lemonheads were starting out, and we all became fast friends. Like, we, we came to check them out, and they came to check us out, and then we all just became best buddies and um, started to have this really incestuous, like, trading members trading band members back and forth kind of thing and um well we uh, blake baby's open for the young pixies at some i think at the rat or something like oh yeah yeah pixies throwing muses we're playing around um, what was it like seeing the pixies for oh, the first time you know i was never the hugest fan of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I never really got them. They were f- okay. they were great, you know. They were great, but I was I was kind of a little bit detached 
they never who they was never your really... shit dinosaur jr yeah it was like dinosaur really blew my mind back they they were one that we 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 were we went we took the lemonheads van some of the blake babies and lemonheads we drove out to jamaica plain outside of the city um to see dinosaur they were dinosaur then they were still dinosaur Right. Before they before they had to add the junior and they we saw in this place called Green Street Station, which was in this kind of like desolate area and there were like twelve people in the audience. Um and we were like six of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they did they just like it was like, you know, Jay, Lou and Murph and they just like blew it away. They were loud as always in front of 12 people just like completely blowing all our heads off it was so exciting and no one really knew them yet but um yeah that was great seeing dinosaur in the early days was so fun and cool and inspiring really inspiring loud really 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 loud still still loud yeah i mean they 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 haven't turned down which right. they could, you know. I've but seen plenty of bands their, turned down. That's part of their thing, though. That's part of their shtick, right? Or not shtick? No, that's terrible. I, that's terribly demeaning. It's part of the um, it's part of the um, the sound, part of the experience, the sound experience. AKA shtick. Yeah. It's their ethos. <laughs> ethos. No, I don't mean shtick. I mean their gimmick. <laughs> It's more than a gimmick, though. What it's about not, working I with? Think, <laughs> I know. I'm just fucking. Don't do. Don't like. Do you ha- don't. Don't disrespect these people. He likes to feel the sound in the back of his legs. He likes to feel the sound from coming from the amps in behind his knees. I agree. It's a, sensa- I agree. It's a sensation. Yeah. I agree. Like I, when I see bands and they're not playing out of amps, I just. I don't understand it. What is that? What is that? What I don't that? get it. What were those Scott Lit sessions like? Um, well, really, I just have such fond memories of Scott. I which we we've been in touch lately again, and it's great to reconnect because he's just became a really a great friend. He's a great guy. I just have a lot of love for him as a person, and so the sessions were like, um, they were really nice and fun because he was such a cool, fun guy, and and um, we did we did rehearsal first. We rehearsed the song. We had had been playing. Todd and Dean and I had been playing those songs live for a while, um, so we had rehearsed them. But then we did more rehearsal before the album, where Scott was just like come to rehearsals and watch us play and kind of just like get them really tight and we didn't really change a whole lot in pre-production we just kind of got them really tight got the songs really tight and then went in and kind of recorded them as we'd been playing them live and then he had um scott brought in a percussionist named denny denny fongheiser he plays some percussion uh uh-huh. And so it was like pretty close to the um, way we were playing them live. We recorded them pretty close. Yeah, to it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of monkey business going on on that record. No, not really. 
So no REM stories? Probably, but I can't. I'm I'm famous for my bad memory. I can't remember the de- You would have yeah. to ask Todd, <laughs> my drummer, remembers everything. He, he remembers everything. I don't remember anything, really. All right, we'll ask Todd. I thought I'd ask yeah. you first, and, and then we'll, we'll see how it goes. I have lemon. You know, I have more <laughs> lemon head stories than. I have lemon head stories that I don't remember, actually. I'm a terrible, a terrible tor- storyteller. I got a good lemon head story. Oh, tell me. It's an Evan Dando story. Yeah. So we were playing some festival, and it was, it was on the festival, it was Velocity Girl, and it was their last show. And so, uh, you know, big fan of Velocity Girl and got to meet them, and they're like, yeah, we're having a party, come on over. So we're having this party, hanging out, and in walks Evan, and he was playing on the festival as well. And so in walks Evan and sits down and I start talking to him and start talking about how I've always wanted to cover, uh, uh, what's that Aria Speedwagon song? Uh, Still Loving You. Keep on loving you. Keep on loving you. Keep on loving you. That's right. Still loving you. Scorpions, right? So keep on loving you. I want to do. I really want to do. Yeah. So Evan sits there and he's like, he's like, oh. Yeah, that's a good song. He starts singing. He goes, yeah, I should cover that. And I go, no, you can't do that. It's my idea. I'm going to cover it. And he's like, well, I can cover it if I want. I'm like, no, it's my idea. And he gets up and he yells at one of the Velocity Girl guys, who the fuck is this asshole? Get him the fuck out of here. Who is this guy? Oh. And so, the, the, yeah, the guy goes. Was he, goes, he kidding? I mean, cal- calm down. No, no, he's serious. He hated me. And he goes, uh, Evan, calm down. That, that's Scott from Local H. He goes, oh, Scott from Local H? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, oh, I fucking love your band. You were so good today. And he's shaking my hand. I was like, woo. I thought he was going to get kicked out of the Velocity Girl party. But then he did cover it. Did he cover it? Yes, there's a recording. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a B-side to a single. That's my fucking yeah. idea. It's a great cover. You got to listen to it. I've never heard that cover evan yeah oh evan i think he claimed that he was like under the under the mixing board in the studio <laughs> recording that version like with a guitar what, like his guitar and what year was it him. i don't know hang on 97 oh. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it probably was <laughs> right after oh all right all right so so last week i embarrassed scott by asking jay robbins what he thought of the term Post punk or post hardcore? And I, I guess it wasn't post hardcore. It wasn't because it's punk. It was '96, okay. by the way. '96. <laughs> so this week, Julian, I'm going to ask you. We I, I read on this albumism polls thing that came out where they were rating, uh, asking people to reply and say which was their favorite Julian or Hatfield yeah. record. I'm, I'm sure you might yeah. have seen it. Did so, you see you this, know, Juliana? You saw this? I did. The, I did see. It. I saw it on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You get to you get to vote in, and you know all these people voted, and only everything was number one on here. It's it's not a scientific poll, really? but only it's, you know, everything was number cool. one. And then a couple of the um, newer ones were, or like, Blood was up there too. It was cool. There was like a really good mix of um, just like old and older and newer, which is um. Yeah, it was kind of surprising. It, it, you know, Blood was number yeah, seven. Yeah, it was. And uh, and you know, Bed was up it, there too. I think was, right. Bed maybe. Yeah, bed got up there pretty high. It was it was number four. I like that. I liked it. 
right between uh, Hey Babe and, and Beautiful Creature. So, yeah. yeah. But I was going to ask well, you, out of all your songs, all the songs that you've written, which one are you most proud of? Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. God. <laughs> yes. Gosh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be that person and gosh, ask that question. God. Golly. How can I possibly answer that? There's hundreds of songs. Hundreds, I think. Of course. That's why. Um, Who else can I ask? <laughs> Oh my god! Okay, there's I there's a song that I there's this album I made called There's Always Another Girl. When was it? Like two two thousand something, right? Um, there's a couple songs on there that I'm really proud of, and I think they're kind of overlooked because they're just like deep cuts on an obscure, an already obscure album. But there's a song called wasting time and there's a song called wait is it even called wasting time can you guys google it wasting time and then a song called stray kids and i think those are both really good i would like to start a poll of the fans favorite songs of yours and i would i would put on the top of my list either simplicity is beautiful or until tomorrow those two songs to me would be one and two or two and one just uh I'm gonna. Somebody should start that poll. Put all thousands of your songs up there, and we'll we'll. A thousand, a one to a thousand. songs. I don't know. Whatever. She's got a it's thousand songs, know. doesn't she? I don't know. Who counts? Who does that? Oh my god. Who counts her what own about, songs? Uh, <laughs> what number is you can't put your arms around a melody? Oh. Uh, it's up that's there. up there. That's up there. It's a good one. I need a good recording of it. I need a good recording. Are there so any good I. recordings of it? I, I should have one, but I oh. I have the DAT, I think. The DAT that was mastered by Bob Ludwig. The album was mastered. You're going to need to bake that tape. <laughs> do something with that. I'm trying. Leak it. No, I don't care. I don't care anymore. I don't care. No. What about... Uh, I'm over it. Uh... I know this is something I know Gabe wants to ask, what? but he's probably too shy about it. Uh, my so-called life. What about it? <laughs> about your episode, the Christmas episode of my so-called life. What about it? Just you know what what that was like. How how nerve-wracking was that? Really nerve-wracking because I don't I didn't know how to act. I mean I don't know how to do what actors do. I was I felt really like such a fish out of water and um everyone was really n- nice and really helpful all the other actors who were around were um and the director were just coaching me through everything and and um who was the director on that I don't do you remember, remember his name I don't remember but I remember all the other people's names Gabe's going to look I it remember up remember Winnie Holtzman? Holtzman, what was she, she like? Was, she was great. She was around. And what and what was exciting <laughs> yeah. was that part of what, what was fun was um, she was married to the guy who played the father on Breaking Away, the father of um, yeah. the bike racer, that guy. I forget yeah. his name. That's her, Winnie's husband. I want some American food. Yeah, Paul yeah, Dooley, yeah. right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. maybe. I want some and, American food. I want some French fries. Um, yeah. <laughs> And I love that movie, Breaking Away. Refund? <laughs> Refund? 
Sorry, you came to the wrong place. Uh, did you not want to talk about Breaking Away? No, it's great. You guys are so. You guys are. Um, you have a movie pod- podcast too. Yes. Yeah. I really yeah. like movies. It's, well, it it's Ben's. Okay. It's Ben's. I'm a movie oh, stop fan. it! It's uh, it's ours at this point. It's uh. Well, let's have you on. You want to do one of those? Like you can tell, I'm not that great at <laughs> putting. I'm not so great at stringing thoughts into words. I'm not that great. Well, what's your favorite? That fits right in with what we do. What's your favorite 70s movie? Oh, my God. I don't know. See, I knew you were going to. I shouldn't have brought this up because I had this feeling that if you asked me that, I would draw a blank. (laughs) And I wish I am drawing a blank. Oh, you know, like Network is one of my favorites of all time. Ooh, That's that's one of my favorite movies. Serious. One of the all-time greats. Come on. We'll talk about Network. I'd love to talk about Network. Yeah, we haven't talked about it yet. Yeah. Oh, God. I love that movie. So so much who doesn't love that movie oh that that trailer scared the crap There's people. out of me when i was a kid <laughs> when he had as everybody goes to the just, window uh, yeah. go to the window and scream i'm mad as hell i was like what is this right gabe did you figure out who the director's name is no i haven't it's hard to get an episode by episode right. accounting well, of it but I'll, what were you saying over there i'll then? find it you just mumbled. Nothing. I'd never seen the movie Network. I didn't know it was a horror movie. <laughs> it's not a horror movie. <laughs> okay. Have you guys seen the lot? Have you Maybe guys I'll seen the it. Lost Daughter? It's new. I just saw it last night, and it's it's like yeah. brutal. Yes. Yeah, I like it a lot. Brutal. Yeah. It's just like torturous. Yeah. So emotion, uh, emotional torture <laughs> porn. That's what I call it. So. Did you like it? Um. Okay, I read the book, and um, I read the book a few years ago, uh, oh. and I think the book worked better than the movie. So, I mean, I think the movie was really well done. It was the acting was really good, the directing was really good, but it was just too right. too hard. It was like too painful the, all the way through. It was just painful. Yeah, it was so so much. But how great what? was Ed Harris? Oh my God, he was great. How great? It's like he. Yeah, it's like. Terrific. He was great. I didn't realize that he had gotten so old. I mean, he's great. Like, who cares? I don't care that he's gotten old, but and it, and he's still, you know, like beautiful. But that was he was great. Yeah, the music was great that too. That movie kept reminding me. The music. Was yeah, great. it kept reminding me of a bigger splash. I never Did you saw ever that. see that? No. And the bigger splash is a remake of what's that French movie, Ben? With Alain Delon. Oh, the piscine. Lapisine? Yes. Oh, that's great. Alain Delon. Yes. Oh, la, la. <laughs> Yo, that, him and, and who plays his wife oh, in that? Oh, Ro- wait, Romy Schneider, maybe? Wait, Romy, Romy, Romy Schneider. Yeah. Those two together in that movie? Wow. <laughs> Holy crap. Hey, Scott, did you want to talk about your colonoscopy? Because I, <laughs> I, is, is it your first one? <laughs> Your first? I think we got the intro to the show, by the way. Because <laughs> that's what, when you get to be a certain age, it's like uh, people just talk about colonoscopies and real estate. That's what it becomes all about. Yeah. Is it your first, your first one? It's going to be my first one, but scheduling it has been okay. a real, how should I say, pain in the ass? Ah. <laughs> thanks for br- thanks for bringing it up, though. You're well, you know. you're a gem. <laughs> um, 
I've I just had I just had one, so you know I can I can tell you about my experience if you if you need any if you need any um to have your fears put to rest or anything like I that. I thought that this was I thought this was strictly an old man thing. I didn't know that this was something that Women, everybody had to do. No, yeah. it's a person, old person, old person thing. I mean, I'm but fine with it. it. I'm not worried about yeah, it. I mean, I, I, I wish I was awake for it, it's... actually, to tell you the truth. <laughs> so. um, you might, you can, some people wake up in the middle of them. <laughs> I know. Rude. I know. I got my fingers crossed. <laughs> Anyway. Anyway.
uh, Scott Weinert was the director for so called so called angels. Episode yeah, he's 15. a good director. Oh, okay, right, 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 right. Scott Weinert. Everyone That's... was. He was so helpful. There were just. He was like just. Read the word, you know, say the words, try to focus on what you're saying. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, I still don't understand how actors do it, how they connect to characters, you know, that aren't themselves. I don't know how they find right. the, the character inside of themselves. I don't know how they Scott Winant went on to direct Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Yeah, really? no, he's a, he's a he's a giant guys, in the land of TV directors. Do you guys like Ted Lasso? Uh, I do. He doesn't. You hate it. I, I've got a real problem with that guy. How come? Jason Sudeikis. I just yeah. don't trust him. I don't trust uh. his whole <laughs> don't trust his whole nice guy shtick. <laughs> But do you think lesser of Julianne because, no, because she does she like has that good show. taste ah, and, and that's a good question. She likes good shows and she reads books. <laughs> I have the problem when I try and read a book, I fall asleep. I tell you, it's it's real. I think that's it's real. called it's your uh, sleep apnea colonoscopy. Causing you. <laughs> it's your sleep. It's your sl- it's, no. You don't get good sleep, so you're tired during the day. When you sit trying to read a book, you, you sleep, fall asleep. apothecary. Your, your sleep. Your sleep apnea makes you, it leaves you tired, but your tiredness is not narcolepsy. It's just tiredness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, believe you, I, believe, I believe you're right, doctor. I'm not making fun of you at all in this, in this thing. I just, I, I like calling you Dr. Hetfield. <laughs> My dad was Dr. Hetfield. You are really interested in everybody's uh, medical oh, wow. stuff right now. Actually, so, me. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Hatfield does sound well, I've ha- I just right. Call me Doctor Hatfield. We're going to. I call like me it. Dr. That sounds like a great album title for your name. Call me Doctor Hatfield. <laughs> call yeah. me Doctor. Call me Mr. Tibbs. Call me. Dr. They Hatfield. call me Doctor Hatfield.
Juliana, do you have a story yes. about the first time that you ever saw Iron Maiden in oh, concert? God, why did why did you do this, Ben? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I never. No, no. Sorry. This is a bit okay. that that came up after your episode, and it's a bit, and I I know what side you're gonna land on on this, but Gabe's an Iron Maiden guy. Do you? And Ben is a replacements guy. So they ask everybody that comes on the show this question. They harass everybody that comes on the show with this question. Uh, replacements <laughs> or Iron Maiden? So you don't have to answer because I'm sick of this question and everybody else is sick of it. But that's what they're talking about. That's not true. I'm, that's not what they're talking about on Facebook tonight. But do you have a story about the first time you saw the replacements? You remember that one? Um, the first few times I saw them get kind of mixed up in my mind, um, mm -hmm. but one time I was underage, they were playing the, the channel in Boston and I went down there. I didn't have a ticket cause I was underage. No, I had bought a ticket for like. I still have the ticket. It's like five bucks from Strawberry's record store. Wow. They were my favorite band. <laughs> they were my favorite band. I love Better them. than Iron and Maiden? I went. I, went <laughs> I don't even know if I know an uh, Iron Maiden song. You're breaking What's Gabe's heart. It's, this is so heart? great to see. Yes. No, it's not. It's, it's okay. Maybe I'm sure if I She's in the middle of, of, of a very nice story. I'm sure yeah, if I heard sure. Iron Maiden, I'd like it. I'm sure I've heard them and I liked it. I just don't know the albums. I'm, By the way, I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were both in the same Guitar World magazine when <laughs> yeah, I subscribed. Like, when I found out you were writing that article for Guitar World that year. No, I know. So there's yes, just so much. You have something in common with Iron Maiden. There's so many bands, and I, there are some bands that I have not yet discovered, and it just that doesn't mean I don't like them. It just means I haven't discovered them yet. So. Right. Iron Maiden, I've yet, I've yet to discover. Oh, this is so great. But, but so, so you're underage, you so had a I ticket. Went, yeah. I was like, maybe like, I don't know. I was in college, I think, or maybe high school. So I had bought a ticket at Strawberry's Record Shop, which was a, just like a receipt on a piece. So a guy had written like $6 replacements at the channel. So I went down there not knowing if I was going to, get in and it was really crowded it was sold out and somehow i talked my way in i might have been 16 17 18 i don't know but the somehow i either snuck past the guy taking checking ids or i just talked my way in or i was so desperate to see it that i just like begged my way in and i got in and it was so exciting it was just like the energy was it was packed with people and the energy was just so electric and I was right up front and Bob, Bob Simpson came out wearing like um, green see-through tights and no underwear. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. And there's so, oh, and Paul Westbrook had on, I was so close. I was right up, right up there and he had on, these shoes like Oxfords that he had spray painted like blue or something spray painted. So then I went home and I spray painted my shoes after that. And um, he was playing 
what was probably like a a Les Paul or like what's a thin Les Paul? Is that like a Les Paul? Les Paul Jr. Jr. or something? Maybe. So my first electric guitar was I I saw this guitar in a guitar shop around the corner from Berkeley and it looked like his guitar and so I bought it and it, that was my first electric electric guitar because it looked like Paul Westerberg's guitar I wanted it. Or was it a melody maker? Um no what his? Yeah. His or mine? His. I don't yeah, I don't even know. It's the one he played on Saturday Night Live too. I don't know. But been... Mine was a Gibson Challenge Challenger. Ah. And then another another replacement show I saw and went it was in one of the first replacement shows I saw was in Providence, Rhode Island at a place called I think the Living Room. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I got yeah. a ride down with I was might have, I got a ride down with a couple people. I think Freedom might have been with me. And we got there really early. Really early. Um and we went inside and we were just kind of like hanging around, sat down and at the bar, and Paul came and sat down at the bar. Paul Westerberg, mm-hmm. and I gave I gave him a demo tape on cassette, <laughs> <laughs> and I or, or or it was like a Blake Baby's rehearsal tape or something, and it had a version of um um September Girls on it, uh-huh. <laughs> and I spelled it girls with an I. And you know how it's right. spelled mm-hmm. with a U, right? But with a U, so yeah. I'd written September Girls G I R L S, and Paul said, "Oh, you spelled girls wrong," and I was like, "Oh no, I spelled it, <laughs> I spelled it wrong on purpose," <laughs> meaning that I spelled it right because that was wrong. Right. You at least you didn't go. No, I. So didn't. I talked. No, like I. So I talked to Paul, my hero, briefly, and he was really nice, and it was like so exciting. And then the show was great. And I don't remember much, but what record was that? It was Paul was really nice. I don't remember. Probably Let It Be. Yeah. Shit. Wow. Maybe. God, that record's Maybe. great. That was the first tour I saw them. Was Let It Be. Yeah. At Irving Plaza. Yeah. Also packed and just mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. Right. So good. Thank you. I think Those Paul's awesome like maybe Paul's maybe Paul might be retired now. I haven't talked to him in a few years. I feel like he might be in retirement. Seems like it. I think he's he's uh, coaching baseball or something, right? Yeah. What? Really? Yeah. He was for a while. Well, coaching, he was like coaching high school his baseball. Kids little league. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Little league. He's like Walter Matthau. Yeah. They should remake <laughs> totally. Bad News Bears with Paul <laughs> Westerberg. That would have been yeah. the movie if only Linklater hadn't fucking cheaped out with that stupid Billy Bob asshole. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Great. It's a good remake. Stop it's it. just Stop fine. It. Stop it. Nonsense. Gibberish. No, it's good. The scene where all the kids are singing along to cocaine. Come on. That's reason enough for that movie to be made. All right, Juliana. You should right. see it. It's really good. It's really, really good. Okay. Yes, it is. It is good. Okay. Such heresy you're what? speaking. It's heresy no. what you're saying. It's not. It's heresy, nor is it hearsay. That, that's a gay line. <laughs> well, thanks for doing this. I think. Uh, 
I think I, I, I feel like I've righted all my wrongs from the last episode. Okay, good. I don't know if I've, I ha, I don't know if I've redeemed myself. So let's maybe we should do this again in a third time in a year, a year from now. Yeah, that on sounds 100th, good. Hundredth episode. Yeah. So I yeah. can try. Give me another. Just give me one more chance. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> always, always, <laughs> and then we'll get you on for network one of these days. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. We can just talk about. Do you just talk about seventies movies? Um. Yeah. 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 Well, you got you got other ones you want to talk about? Oh, I love I love the seventies. Yeah. Yeah, it's just seventies. I love seventies. Yeah. We did Westworld last time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Blight Danner. Blight Danner. No, that's Future. No, that's Future World. Right? Future World. Oh, Future World. Oh wait, wait. West. Who's Westworld? Westworld is wait. Richard Benjamin oh. and Yul Brynner. Oh, well, yeah, Yul yeah, Brynner's yeah. in Future Richard World. Richard yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Seen them both. I saw a guy the other night, and he was dressed exactly like uh, Yul Brynner in Westworld. And with his mask on, we kind of thought it was Yul Brynner. Is Yul Brynner alive? Wow. Isn't he dead? Well, not the robot version of Yul Brynner. He's still kicking somewhere. I mean, it wasn't Yul Brynner, Gabe. I didn't really think it was Yul Brynner. I'm just saying. (laughs) It might have been Gabe. Imagine Gabe with the mask dressed Gabe, up as Yul Brynner. you should dress up as Yul Brynner. By the way, I've, Halloween. Your listen, next Halloween I've, I've thing should be I've been told that I look like... No. I was at a poker table in, in Reno, Nevada one time, and the dealer called me Yul Brynner. He said, because I had a shaved head. He said, you look like Yul Brynner. You had a shaved head? Started did you say, so let it be written? Comm- I did say, so let it be written. <laughs> I guess all it takes to look like Yul Brynner is, okay. is um, a shaved head. It was a bald pate. Yeah. Uh, you gotta have a little darker skin. Right. You can't be pale white. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a warning <laughs> to me? But I'm. I think. <laughs> yes, you, Scott. Scott, you can't don't even like try. To don't like shave your head because you won't. You won't pull it off, idiot. <laughs> yes. Well, Scott, good luck with your colonoscopy. Don't worry about it. It's like not as bad as people say. The actual thing is not. It's the prep is can be a little. It's not as bad as they say. It's really not. Okay. The All prep, right. Even the prep isn't as bad. It feels good to fast the day before, like because it's just like it's it feels good to fast. Yeah, there's laxatives, there's fasting. It's all stuff that I like. Yeah. I'm fine with it. Laxatives. <laughs> okay. That's how I roll. <laughs> 